You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly. My name is Heather. Thanks for being here with me this week. I just have to say how much I am enjoying studying this lesson this week. This one is a good one. It covers Matthew 21 through 23, Mark 11, Luke 19 and 20, and John 12. The opening paragraph in the lesson talks about how the Savior was hungry after he was traveling from Bethany to Jerusalem, and he saw a fig tree in the distance, and it looked like it was a good source of food. But it says as Jesus approached the tree, he found that it bore no fruit. So at first glance and from far away, this tree looked like it was going to be really good, but once you got up close, it was pretty empty. And I thought, oh, does that not describe the world that we live in? And I found that the representation of that fig tree was kind of a theme throughout most of this lesson. The first section of this lesson says, The Lord judges not by the outward appearance, but by the desires of the heart. And it tells the story of Zacchaeus. I love this story. Starting with verse 1 of chapter 19 of Luke, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. So there was this man named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and he was wealthy. And he was not only wealthy, it says that he was the chief publican. The other thing that I thought was interesting that it mentions is that he is small of stature. And so I imagine, as a man who is in a high position and is wealthy, and in a profession that a lot of people don't like, as he was a tax collector, and also being short of stature, I wonder if his image was important to him, if it was important to him to be taken seriously. But when Jesus comes into the city, Zacchaeus wants to see him. And because there are so many people, and people taller than he is, he runs and gets up in a tree so that he can see Jesus. And then in verse 5 it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And in verse 6 it says, And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. The thing I love about Zacchaeus is he was unashamed. He wanted to see the Savior. He wanted to follow the Savior. And he didn't care what it looked like or who saw him or how he acted. All he cared about was following the Savior, and I loved his attitude and his example. And also the fact that people were gossiping about Jesus going to Zacchaeus's house and that neither one of them cared. The only thing Zacchaeus cared about was what the Savior thought of him. And Jesus obviously knew Zacchaeus, knew his heart, knew what kind of a person he really was, no matter what other people may have thought about him and his profession, and that's all that mattered. And isn't that how we should live, to be unashamed to follow our Savior Jesus Christ? And to not compromise ourselves just to fit in with the world or to fit in with our friends or to do things in a way that we think looks better to other people. If Zacchaeus would have stopped and thought, oh, what will people think of me if I climb up in a tree just to see this man? He could have missed out on a lot of great blessings. I think there's just a lot to think about personally and a lot that we can learn from that story. Zacchaeus wanted to do better and he wanted to be better and that's what was in his heart. In chapter 23 of Matthew, the Savior basically spends the entire chapter blasting the Sadducees and the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. And he does this in a variety of ways and with a variety of examples. And one of my favorites is in verse 25 and 26. And this is Matthew 23. 
It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. So this kind of reminded me of the example of the fig tree at the beginning of the lesson, where you have something that looks really good on the outside, but when you get up close and when you really investigate what's inside, it's pretty empty. And I just kept thinking about the worldwide youth broadcast that President Nelson did. It was almost exactly a year ago. And one of the things that he encouraged the youth to do is to take a break from social media. And this is what he said about it. He said, my first invitation to you today is to disengage from a constant reliance on social media by holding a seven day fast from social media. I acknowledge that there are positives about social media, but if you are paying more attention to feeds from social media than you are to the whisperings of the spirit, then you are putting yourself at spiritual risk as well as the risk of experiencing intense loneliness and depression. Isn't that funny that it's social media and getting too much into it can cause us to be lonely and depressed. I think social media is definitely something worthy of the allegory of the fig tree where there's more on the outside than there actually is on the inside. President Nelson goes on to say, another downside of social media is that it creates a false reality. Everyone posts their most fun, adventurous, and exciting pictures, which create the erroneous impression that everyone except you is leading a fun, adventurous, and exciting life. Much of what appears in your various social media feeds is distorted, if not fake. So give yourself a seven-day break from fake. This morning, I was actually listening to another podcast, and it was about reality TV and the fact that it's not actually very real. It's heavily edited. Um, they use the term reality very loosely. Going back to the social media fast, President Nelson says, choose seven consecutive days and go for it. See if you notice any difference in how you feel and what you think and even how you think during those seven days. After seven days, notice if there are some things you want to stop doing and some things you now want to start doing. And I don't think we need to wait for another invitation from President Nelson. If a social media fast sounds good to you, I think go for it. I think that's something that we probably all need to do every once in a while. I know this was directed at the youth, but it's every bit for everyone. <laughs> and I remember doing this last year, and after those seven days, I had much less of a draw to social media than I did before. And I think it's just so important to remember as we navigate our way through our lives every day is that the actual source of truth and peace in this life comes through the Holy Ghost and through the gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ. The next part of this lesson talks about how we can receive the Savior into our lives. And there's a parable in the lesson found in Matthew 21 about a man who had two sons. He asked the first one to go out and work in his vineyard. And his son said, no, I'm not going to do that. But then later he repented and went out to work. Then he went to the second son and asked him to work. And the second son said, yes, I'll do that. But then he did nothing. Okay, so how does this relate to receiving the Savior into our lives? As members of the church, we're asked to do a lot of things. Really, we are. Living the gospel the way it's intended takes a lot of time. And in the world we live in, that can be really hard because there are so many things that compete for our time and attention. And I don't think it's really meant to be easy. Many of us have made covenants. And in primary, we learned that a covenant is a sacred promise. So we haven't just said, yes, we'll do certain things. We've actually promised to do them and to live a certain way. So do we. 
Do we take those things seriously? Is ministering an important part of our lives? Do we make our best efforts in our church callings? Do we attend those meetings that maybe we don't feel like going to? Do we make a good effort to attend the temple regularly? Do we make an effort to study Come Follow Me by ourselves or with our families? I think so many times living the gospel can just become routine and just one more thing we have to do. And I think it's interesting in the past year or so with all the changes in the church, things have become much more our own personal responsibility. We're either going to do these things or we're not. And it really is just our own choice. But going back to the fig tree, we may go throughout our lives having the appearance that everything is just mighty fine. But one day, and none of us know what day that is, we're going to be talking to our Heavenly Father and the reality of what was in our heart and the effort that we actually made and the covenants that we actually kept are going to be staring us right in the face. So maybe it's good every once in a while to take a look at how we spend our time and where our priorities are and actually make an effort to receive the Savior into our lives by making him a priority. And that leads us right into the last part of the lesson, which talks about the two great commandments. And this is found in Matthew chapter 22. Starting in verse 35, there's a lawyer who is speaking to Jesus. And in verse 36, he asks him a question. He says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then in the lesson it says, If you ever feel overwhelmed as you strive to follow Jesus Christ, the Savior's words to the lawyer in Matthew 22 can help you simplify and focus your discipleship. So how can we do that? I found this really interesting because a few weeks ago, I was feeling kind of overwhelmed and out of focus and just kind of wanting to refocus my priorities. And so I got out a notebook and I sat down and I wrote down what are my priorities and I made a list. The first thing on my list was my relationship with my Heavenly Father and my Savior. My second thing on the list was my relationship with my husband. And I went down from there and there were only about five things on my list that were really important and priorities in my life. The things that were not on my list were things like this podcast or grocery shopping or making meals or doing my laundry. I really wrote the things down that were really, truly important in my life, and there aren't very many of them. And then what I decided to do is every day I would start with number one on the list and try to make that one of the first things that I took care of for the day. Um, so number one was my relationship with my Heavenly Father and my Savior, so that means saying a morning prayer, reading my scriptures, doing something to bring the Spirit into my life. Number two is my relationship with my husband. So I try to make an effort in the mornings to ask him about his day and how it's going to be or give him a hug on the way out the door or do something that helps that relationship. And then I go down my list and I have found that if I take care of the most important things first, everything else in my day goes so much better. And I think that's one way, one example of how we can find focus in our lives. Try to start with the most important thing and make sure that gets done first. And it's kind of amazing when we do that, the rest of the things in our lives kind of take care of themselves and things just tend to go better. It's one of those principles kind of like tithing. It doesn't really make much logical sense that if you give 10% of your income away, 
that your life would actually be better for it, especially if you don't have that much to begin with. But it's another one of those principles. If you take your time and spend it on the things that are most important, everything else just seems to fall into place. President Benson gave a great talk on this subject in the April 1988 conference. And he said, the great test of life is obedience to God. The great task of life is to learn the will of the Lord and then do it. The great commandment of life is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. Also in this talk is one of my very favorite quotes where he says, when we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of our lives completely. And I know that when we stay true to ourselves and put the Lord first in our lives, there is nothing that we can't accomplish. Thanks everyone for joining me this week. I probably shared about one-tenth of the thoughts I've had about this lesson. It was a really good one to think about. Next week, my kids get out of school for the summer, so things are about to get real interesting. Have a good week, everyone.